0: Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of the TapTap Tap cast. My name is Martin you may also know me as Inadequence.
1: And I am Amanda, also known as Lundberger. We are here, uh, actually this is kind of funny because I'm normally in your time zone Martin but I'm actually in the UK right now and I can't think of another better guest than another person from the UK, maybe having that in their in-game name perhaps. Let's bring in Tomahawk UK.
2: How you doing, guys? Yeah, I am famously from the UK. Amanda, I can't believe you actually didn't tell me you were in the UK as well. Where, whereabouts are you?
1: Um, I didn't tell you on purpose, just because of, <laughs> I, you know, there's stalker tendencies, uh, Farid. I didn't. <laughs> y- you got to let it go.
0: <laughs> Fareed, welcome on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, so my name's Fareed, also known as Tomahawk UK. I'm uh, one of the battlers from from England that has suddenly emerged onto the play pokemon scene we've got a few of us now that i think are doing very well and that's very nice for us to see i don't think last year the uk had as much representation as we would have liked but now there are quite a few players that many of them are my teammates as you will have seen me talk about on stream and yeah i'm here to chat to my two very handsome and gorgeous colleagues now as we know so yeah, this is breaking, breaking thing.
1: news. Yeah, it's really exciting. For, for those of who maybe don't know what we're talking about, Tomahawk UK has been officially brought on to the casting roster for the Play Pokemon Pokemon Go Championship Series, getting his debut in Utrecht, Netherlands.
0: Can you try pronouncing that one more time? Utrecht? <laughs> Utrecht.
1: Utrecht.
0: There you go. Now you Lessons, for lessons here for you, for read as well. <laughs> How do you feel about uh, casting soon?
2: that right yeah yeah exactly thank
0: yes see there there we have someone who who can do it amanda
2: there we go no i'm excited i am excited i think it's gonna be i'm nervous obviously Mm -hmm. i want to i want to be able to have a lot of fun try and help educate inspire inform and and find that balance and that might take some time but i i am really excited yeah well we're excited to have you for sure yeah Did, did you get like a new suit and stuff I'm in the process of ordering it. I've got some new shoes. They've just arrived. I've tried them on. Brilliant. Uh, I, I, You know, watching a couple of videos of you guys, just like, mm, you know, what's the style to go for? And obviously it's not helped because Adelian's wearing whatever he's wearing <laughs> <on>. <laughs> Do I compete with that? I can't compete with that. So, you know, it's it's tricky, but I think I think I'll I'll look good. It's fine. I'll look good.
1: What's funny about that is uh, so my, my husband who has uh he doesn't really care for Pokemon Go, he's not like in the game really, but he'll sometimes tune into the broadcast, you know, to be a supportive, a partner. And that he did mention Dillion suit. He said, Is this an inside joke or something that I don't understand? And I was like, No, he just picked the suit. He's like, Okay. And that was the end yeah. of the conversation. I was like, now I have to bring it back up with him later to see what the uh, what he saw of or thought of the suit.
2: Yeah, I, I love I love adelian, and obviously he can he can pull it off. He's a great character. But when I was going through some of the options with with my girlfriend and saying, what do you think I should go for? She goes, definitely not that.
1: <laughs> she didn't like my suggestions.
2: Uh, <laughs> your suggestions we've we've just left in the DMs for now, Landra. <laughs> okay. I think okay. We'll, we'll leave those <laughs>
0: Well, I do think that Adelin brought like this, this showman mm-hmm. suit with him, right? And maybe, maybe it's also—I don't think I could pull it off, but you know, I think it's pretty cool if you can. I think we also have uh, like Shay, right, from TSG, can pull off a pink suit. It's it's great if you can.
2: Yeah. I Yeah, it, it's impressive. And and actually, when you think back to some of the bigger events, when you think to Worlds, for example, and you look at what Speedy was wearing with his Justin Bieber vibe, <laughs> there are you know, theres a time and a place to really go out all out, and and that flamboyance can be quite
1: nice. Yeah, that's a good point. So what we're gonna say, yeah, I guess we'll we'll keep it in contact and we'll see what you're gonna wear in Utrecht. Maybe he's just like really downplaying it, but he's gonna go even more like peacock feathers, like coming up from the back. Like, yeah, oh, I, yeah, now I've you're taking notes. I've
2: got a top hat, so um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to bringing it.
1: <laughs> it's gonna be hard to fit those speakers over it.
2: That is true. I haven't I haven't thought about that. That could uh, ruin my hair.
1: So,
0: <laughs> oof. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. Um... Yes, the casting part is very exciting, but I would like to come to that later. Farid, how did you get into PvP? How did you get started?
2: So I think a lot of people had similar journeys in that they were fans of Pokemon. They downloaded Pokemon Go when it first came out. And then after a little while, the novelty wore, and and people slowly stopped playing. But then during COVID, I think a lot of people picked up the game again. And that was the same for me. I picked it up during COVID because one of my brothers still played and he said, oh, there's a PVP format now. And all of a sudden I go, hold on a minute. This looks quite interesting. And I would just play very, very casually. And when I came back to London after after the first lockdowns, I found that there was a community in London where I lived and a few of them were also interested in PVP. So I used to play and we used to talk and try and theory craft and say, you know, one day I'll hit veteran and go battle league. That is the dream. And season by season, you obviously hit these benchmarks and it becomes exciting. And And I remember hitting Legend for the first time. And I just thought to myself, tell you what, this, this game is taking up a lot of my time, but that was worth it. Obviously, then you come into the grassroots and you come into the competitive scene and things get really exciting when you're starting to speak to people across the world. And look at us now. Here we are. Look, we're Amanda usually in a different place, but... <laughs> typically different countries, speaking to people in the US and in South America. And the way that it's brought so many people together, I was like, I can't let this go. I don't have anything else in my ordinary life that would let me speak to people on the other side of the planet like this. And so I just kept playing. And I'm quite a competitive person. And I do like to really invest a lot of time in things and and say to myself, if I'm putting this much time into it, I want to get something out of it. And Play Pokemon has given us exactly that. You can go to these events and not only can you obviously earn money and points, but you get to see all of these people you've spoken to, you get to travel to incredible places. I'm there at work telling telling someone, this year I'm going to Hawaii to play Pokemon. And they're confused. They're thinking, well, hold on a minute. Who's this guy playing Pokemon at his age? But he's going to hawaii and he's he's earning money from this and people are paying to fly him out to various places like utrecht and it's exciting and and how could you stop how can any of us stop when we've got this on right on our doorstep we're very lucky i think i agree
1: i i want to like bring up so you kind of got your name on the map originally when you took second place in warsaw like the second championship season And like, we're all part of different Discord servers like you were talking about. And I'm not throwing shade at you because I think you're absolutely a fantastic battler. And this season has proven it as well. Season like barely half over. You're already qualified for Worlds, top cutting multiple times. But at the beginning, like people were ranking players for Worlds. And I don't think that you were very high on a lot of players considerations. What would you say to that now? Like already showcasing within like just a year's time, how freaking good you are.
0: I like this question.
2: I think it's I think it's interesting. And I think that even now there will be a lot of players that wouldn't put me in the top category. And genuinely, I don't mind. That's that's not a concern to me. What I am pleased about when I see my performances is that I feel I can go toe to toe on my day with anyone in the world. And I genuinely believe that I don't mean to be arrogant or big headed when I say this, but there is no one that I look at that I think I cannot beat you. There's a chance, There's on any day anyone can win, but there was once upon a time where I would look at another player and think, there's no chance, who am I kidding? And now I'm not at that stage anymore. And that, for me, that growth is really exciting and I'm really pleased to see that in myself. And I am hoping that at these events, at, at EUIC, for example, at Worlds, that I can slowly start to build a better reputation amongst some of the top players who perhaps didn't look at me in that way before, but even in Go Battle League, when you can when you pair against some of these big names and you're beating them and you feel pretty, pretty chuffed and it happens consistently enough for me now that I'm confident with where I am. I'm confident with my team building, with my ability to speak about the game. And I think a lot of these things that come together, in my mind, demonstrates a huge growth and success in where I was to where I am now.
0: Where or what was the turning point for you that you found yourself becoming more of a big name right that, to the point where you're like on a good day you don't fear anyone
2: that 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 is a really good question i
0: yeah i, I mean a, we got of... you on to
2: to get you to work you're not <laughs> even <here> stuck <to talk. laughs> <Not laughs> they're, um... they're just that
1: pretty face <laughs> <laughs> i
2: i will admit i have put a lot of time into learning the mechanics and the numbers behind the game and i know that not everyone wants to hear that and you've got players out there who say i don't count i do it by feel and and Fair enough, fair play to them. But I did invest quite a lot of time into the mechanics and the gameplay. And there were points where I realized that I knew exactly what my opponent was going to do. And when you're playing next to a more casual player, so I I would play GBL in my old flat next to my housemate who wasn't really interested in playing seriously, but he liked Pokemon, he liked watching. And I said, they're about to throw this move now, I'm going to switch and I'd catch it. And when that started to happen regularly, I was thinking, hey, I, I know what I'm doing. This isn't luck anymore. I'm not hoping for the best. I'm playing in a way that other people should be playing and that allows me to predict it. And I think I said that once in, in one of my interviews, I think it was at Liverpool, that there are plays that I'm making because I expect my opponents who are very good To play in a certain way, and I can bounce off that, and they should be doing the same with me. And I played a GBL match uh, yesterday against Crescent Angels, and there was a point in the game where I paused to throw a move, he paused and then switched to catch. And a lot of people would just do the pause, throw the move. He's obviously a very good player, he knows that we're going to do that. He pauses, then switches. But I, I waited for the fast attack to come through. And when it didn't, I realized. And it's little things like that, that when you watch yourself back and you say, that was the right play. When I when I watch back one of my matches on stream and I say, that was the right play. And it's, it's those moments that when you see them consistently, you have to give yourself some respect and you have to start backing yourself because that's how you win games.
1: So when did you get involved with your teammate group Tea and Pizza then? Was this before Warsaw or was this after... It would, have been after,
2: okay. it would have been after Warsaw. I, th- I think Warsaw was my first proper regional event. I attended the LCQs in London. Uh, I wouldn't count that as a regional, but Warsaw sure. was my first regional event. I was part of a team called Hidden Powers at the time, oh, yeah, yeah. and we had a lot of English players that were friendly with some of the tea and pizza players. At these regional events, I then became closer with players like Statistan. And at one point they just said, hold on a minute, why don't we have you into the tea and pizza team? And I think there were various tiers in in factions and there was Emerald and I was one of the few Master League players or people willing to to invest dust in Master League at the time. So it was a a valued resource. And when I was moving, I just I said to the rest of my teammates, you know, we've got a lot of players that were leaving the faction when Sylph was coming to an end. And it was a really good opportunity to just combine some communities that I felt would get on really well on a personal level. And I'm very pleased and and proud to see that that has come to fruition. We are now a huge, close group of friends with a variety of skills, with a variety of interests, with a variety of focuses. When it comes to the game, we have a lot of players in team pizza who are big big grinders and then we've got a lot of players who will only do pvp and i'm for example i'm having a conversation with with my good friend colin as you know and we're discussing putting a Mantine into his team and he goes "Breed, i don't have a Mantine," and that's difficult <laughs> when, you know when you've got some players who who will grind and, and get certain pokemon and then others who are like bastiodons i have no issue with Basiodon. i just simply cannot build one it's fair enough.
1: The, the real question is, you know, you have tea and pizza and you have um, the emperors. Who do you think is really the kings of the European region?
2: I have to say, and I, I will put a lot of respect on EU emperors because they were oh, regarded... I was,
1: I was expecting some shade immediately for you. Okay. Oh, it's coming. It's
2: coming. <laughs> Not
0: everyone's like you, Amanda. Not everyone wants to see war. <laughs> Let
2: it burn. I think a lot of people put a huge amount of respect on EU emperors and they've had that brand that... Everyone knew what was coming when you would play against an EU Emperor's team. And then they rebranded. And I'm not sure <laughs> that they kept the same fear factor that they once had. And I, I, I say that with all honesty, I don't think it's quite the same as when they were EU Emperors. And me personally, I would like to see them go back to EU Emperors. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I'm not sure what the current name is now. It's Mega Legends Hype Elite <laughs> It's not the same for me. It's not the same. So, you know, maybe one day.
0: We uh, we kept the EU empress in this bigger name, just for the same reason that you say this. But I do feel like that we need to prove again who we are. We've not been very successful. I would say unsuccessful in in play Pokemon. But also like the only one on our team since they joined our team uh, who won a regional is, is, is Nighttime Clasher. It's the only person who won, you know, a regional in Europe, and he's not even a European. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's not yeah. even on our EU emperors' side for, as well. he's but...
1: trying to desperately forget that. Uh...
2: I, yeah, I, I'm actually not sure which regional you're talking about, so I can't <laughs> on, on that one. But I, I think there are a couple of things to that. As you say, he's not he's not European, and, and that in itself isn't an issue. I think it stemmed from when. It was part of like a larger team that would pick up players who had already won regionals that was maybe more where some of the fear factor was lost because it wasn't a case of this is our player entering an event and they've gone on to win there was an element of this is our team and we will recruit players who have won and that's a little bit of a different vibe and i think maybe some some of the the original culture and and atmosphere of that eu Empress team um, was affected by that. But also because we lost Sylph and we lost factions. And and as much as I am enjoying playing in team formats, it doesn't, to me, have the same love and heart and passion that it once had. Not necessarily because there's anything wrong with the format, but perhaps because show six and play Pokemon has, has come to the scene. And, and that seems to have
1: taken up a lot of people's time and attention. I do think that's true. There's some magic that has been lost um, that Sylph had that they just like when they just dissolved themselves without really like passing on a torch or anything to anyone else was a real bummer for the whole like online PVP community, because I think that really gave players a way to, to hone their PVP skills to meet some of these people across the globe. And we're still trying to fill that spot. There are some things popping up like, you know, Devon corporation and uh, battle frontier. And I, I really hope that these things succeed, and I want them to, because, I mean, Sylph played such an impactful part of my PvP community. I wouldn't be talking with you guys now if there wasn't that that aspect. So I, I agree, and I, I wish that there was a way to to get some of that magic back. But again, maybe it's just a chapter in a, a book, and now the chapter is the show six, pick three, play Pokemon chapter. Yeah. I think so. I think so,
2: yeah. And, and I would really hope that new players that want to play Pokemon Go PvP, feel that they have a breadth of opportunity, whether they want to get take part in locals and attend regionals, or if they're not ready for that or not interested in that, that they feel free and able to go and get involved with, with Devon and with Battle Frontier. And as long as we have options and the game is accessible, I think that that is a good thing for everyone.
0: Do you think that those formats can succeed, Battle Frontier and Devon?
2: The definition of succeed is probably what we'd we'd have to go into. I not... think that one of the issues with self is that you're you're taking a lot of people's time, and then they're, they're not necessarily making any money from that, and that's that's difficult. You you are relying on uh, passion projects, and I don't know what the lifespan of passion projects are. If they want to get sponsorship involved, and and maybe if they get to a point where they could be perhaps broadcast on the play pokemon scene you know in show six and on stream we can see that there there are these grassroots uh organizations that are being popularized then then maybe they could last but truly we are we are going to be dependent on on those behind the scenes on the coders on the people who have put so much time into to giving it to us let's see if if it suffers the same fate as Sylph or if it has a little bit more longevity. Yeah.
1: I will say one thing if people are listening and they're wondering how to get involved with PVP but don't necessarily want to go to a uh, play Pokemon thing just yet or don't know if they want to do actual in person things Martin on the his inadequance server the candle cult server he hosts like weekly tournaments and different metas in the regular open great league and also different uh, like created metas where you can play against other players and kind of hone your skills and it's not just a double elimination where you lose two and you're out you can play against a lot of different players um and man i'm being really nice to you today martin i don't know i think i'm sick something in the water here in uh in england
2: (laughs) (laughs) and and to be honest I i think it's fair enough and and i am all for you know poking fun and having really good banter but martine for me is someone who is so integral to the pvp scene because not only have you got a role model in in being a streamer and a caster and a very good battler but the amount in which he gives back to the community by hosting these types of tournaments by having a very inclusive atmosphere in his server i think that that genuinely is so needed otherwise there are so many players that that wouldn't be able to get into the game because they just simply wouldn't know how. And so when you've got community leaders like Martine and and many others, that is what's going to keep the game going. That, for me, is what makes this a forever game, not delaying launches and delaying events and things like that in-game. It's these types of people that really lead the way. Yeah, great. It's making me a little
0: bit speechless, uh, the, the amount of praise uh, <laughs> I get there. Yeah, the, the Open Grey League press, press tournaments have been a vital part there because I felt like it has been missing, really, right? A, a place where you can regularly do that. You can scrim with your friends all you want, but eventually you end up playing against the same player over and over. You kind of get to know them. And when you go to a regional championship, you play against a Bozo like me who plays extremely different. And, well, maybe you win, but you can also lose, right? Um, So that's what basically the purpose of that. Um, But now there's also local tournaments, right? and they're here for the first time in uh, the Go season. How do you feel like uh, the addition of the local tournaments have been... Uh...
2: I think in principle, local tournaments are a brilliant addition. As as I say, and I think as as I've made clear, I really want the game to be about accessibility. And I've seen many of my locals really getting interested in PvP because they now have access to local tournaments at the weekend. I think that there is still a balance to be struck with the way in which locals can contribute towards worlds. And there has been some commentary that winning 50 CP at a local which only had six participants might not be the right balance. And you might have players at the World Championships that historically would never have got to the World Championships. And to be clear, I don't necessarily think that that is a bad thing. I think that when you compare Pokemon Go to TCG and VGC, we have previously had a very high caliber of worlds players that TCG has been a little bit more relaxed about where it's only the next couple of rounds or day two, for example, that has that top tier. And the first day is more open. And I don't think that that's necessarily a problem because I really do think that in order for this game to grow, you can't be excluding people. You can't be siphoning off access to these kinds of competitions it just requires a little different perspective on how we view day one versus day two worlds they do day two versus day three so on and so forth but then you also come to the difference between quality at different locals so netherlands for example famously very very easy locals they let anyone <laughs> win yes <You> can, pretty <laughs> much Because i'll get my points i'm a farmer <laughs> So you've got a player like Martine who will go to these locals and he's picking up 50 CP every other week, but then he goes to a regional and I can't remember the last time he top cut. So Come on, man! <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, I, I do think locals are really, really good. and I think that when they find the numbers balance and, and the best way to, to deal with it, maybe reduce it a little bit from 50 CP or have staggered CP based on the number of participants, then I think we'll have a healthy balance.
1: I... Uh... I mean, I can understand why some people are upset with this, but I agree with your second point that I think, like, just make the table bigger. Like, I I have nothing against that because Pokemon Go already is so much smaller than VG and TCG when you see it at the regionals. I mean, like, uh, I think I was talking with uh, DeFi and she was saying like, oh, you know, I was looking at the player participants for Vancouver and there's 30 people signed up. And it's just like, I would, I mean, TCG, I'm sure had like 300 minimum signed up for this sort of thing. So how do we get go to that stage? And I think it's more inclusive. That's the only way to do it because if Pokemon Go players are like, yeah, but if I need to be this good to be um, a world's qualifier, I don't think I'll ever get to that level. So I'm not going to try. Uh, but if they could say, okay, I went to this and I got 40 CP here and Okay, I know at this local it's maybe small, but I have 50 CP now, so I'm going to keep coming back to locals, and I'm going to go to the next events because it's just this small increment more that I need. And then people are going to get better as well, like in in these things. But I think we need to have this launching pad um, to be able to bring more people in. And because if our worlds is not as prestigious because of it day one, I think that's okay in my books. But I understand why people would be like, no, no, I mean. World is for the best players in the world, so yeah,
2: I I, def- I definitely think that there there is a lot of merit to, to what to what you've said and and as you know I I do agree with it. There may be, as I say, a slightly better balance just in terms of being able to get in Europe, for example, being able to get three hundred and ninety points from locals alone when you need four hundred to qualify true, for world. True. Maybe that balance is slightly off. Maybe you should be saying you need a good regional performance somewhere along the lines in order to get world championships. And so I I do appreciate that. And maybe it's an iterative process and over the years we'll find where that balance is sits nicely.
1: I mean, I would love for Pokemon go to get to the point where, I mean, at the LAIC they were, they fly in players for VG and for TCG who are at the top of their leaderboards already in the different regions. So Europeans were getting paid to come and play in Brazil. And I was like, how cool would that be for Pokemon Go? Like, If we had enough players on the leaderboards that they were like, okay, our, our top four Europeans, they're coming over to see how they compare against the Brazilians. Or not even just the Brazilians, the Latin Americans. Obviously, there was
2: quite a few. Yeah, it has the potential. I, I, we all know that Pokemon Go is one of the most downloaded mobile games in the world. The player base versus the PvP player base is what we need to improve on. Mm-hmm. And so there are steps that are going to need to be made, both from... From our perspective in, in what we can do, as I say, I've, I've highlighted Martin already in terms of what we can do as members of the community to encourage people to transition towards PvP, but also perhaps on, on the game side behind and how you can improve accessibility and really promote that game. And then there's no reason why in five years time we aren't the big player on the scene. It might, it might not happen. This may be huge copium, but there's no reason <laughs> why it couldn't happen.
0: Yeah, we, we need to be careful with people getting too good. Otherwise, we will not qualify for World Series. So Got to be careful. That's,
2: that's why we've moved to casting, Martin, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, <of course>.
0: <laughs> 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 yes, we, we secured our place there. How, how have the locals been going for you?
2: So I've actually only attended one local. And I will put my hands up and say that this probably isn't the best example of how a local should go. I had a, a local event with six six of us and there were two players that i would say are top quality players if i if i include myself and it was dinoski was the other one so players never heard, that, of, you know, Familiar. Never heard of him no. <laughs> but I, I heard he has some
1: interesting people. drink choices that's all that's <laughs> all i'll say <laughs> <laughs>
2: so we were both there and then we had three players who perhaps didn't play quite as much and were earlier in their pvp careers i played three players, not including Deonofsky. We didn't have enough players for a top cut. And I won the the local because of my opponent's percentage win rate. Now, two of my Hmm. opponents that I played didn't have six Pokemon at 1500 CP. And I can't, in good faith, say that I deserved 50 CP there, because I didn't play the only other player that I really felt had a chance to beat me in that Dienowski his team looked very good he told me his team afterwards he probably had the team comp advantage he has beaten me in an event before i didn't play against him and i'm walking out of there with 50 cp and i don't know how that quite works and i think that there have been other locals that i've heard about where a player can can sweep the original um swiss format and then lose a game in top cut against someone bringing a ridiculous pokemon And all of a sudden they aren't getting anywhere near the number of points that they perhaps deserve. So maybe there needs to be some tweaking there. That's the only local I've played and perhaps will play, because there haven't been that many that have been at convenient times for me or in locations for me. Even though I'm in London, I would have to actually go fairly outside of London to to find some of the cups. Um, But I, I do think it's good in principle. As I say, iterative process over time, maybe we'll iron out some of these creases.
0: And you
2: didn't like that uh, system.
0: Oh, I liked it. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> but you did feel like it was fair. I,
2: I, I have to admit, I came out of that thinking I've got away with on there. Yeah.
1: I, I also, I mean, like uh, one of the locals that we went to, I did feel bad for Stan in a similar aspect because um, he lost to Martijn and he lost to Technical, And those were his only two losses. And then there was also another player who's um, only... They also lost to Martine and to Thomas, but they got a buy one round, so they had the same win record. And then it was the coin flip opportunity of who got to be in the top cut, and this other person got to be in the top cut over uh, Statistan, Which I was like, I, I get that if it's uh, if it's going off of win rate, that makes sense. But I think that buys should somehow be looked at, Is uh, that and I don't, in yeah, in I don't, yeah, in boom, I don't think that buys should actually count as a, a win. In that sense, which is unfair to that player though too. I get it because that, then it's like, okay, but if that's not fair that I got the random generator where I got put in a buy.
2: Yeah, I, I think we have to be a little bit careful and I think that there are a lot of people who are really pushing for Swiss format to be the standard for regional events in Pokémon GO, perhaps overlooking that there can be issues like this where it really does feel like an injustice and so if we can't iron it out at locals, maybe we push back any thought of doing that at bigger events.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, what is nice about this is we're, we're clearly in the infancy stages of Pokemon Go. So I'm sure that, I mean, if you look at from the very first year to where we're at now, we're leaps and bounds ahead of that point. So hopefully, like you said, in five years time, maybe we have some really incredible format uh, that, uh, and, and we have, you know, hundreds of more players that'll be competing as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, how do you feel about the local tournaments like, as a step up to regional champions? Do you think like that helps for like, not just newer players, but like players in general? right? Because otherwise, regional champions can be pretty intimidating, I think, if you've participated for like, your first time.
2: In the same way that having grassroots communities for remote battling can be a huge stepping stone in someone's PvP career, we've obviously spoken about how important Sylph was for us. There will be a lot of new players that come in and will go to these local events because that's where they see people. That's where they meet people. And that's hugely important for getting people into the game. And I do think that Niantic have been pushing quite a lot for this community feel and people being outdoors and and getting out and meeting people. And having the opportunity to play in person shouldn't be understated. I think it is a really good way of allowing you to speak to people and meet people that can give a lot of very good advice and a lot of advice that I've given to to my locals, they've been very, very appreciative of. And it's given them an opportunity to ask questions that you wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily texting or or messaging on Discord. And and I have to say, if there is anyone out there who, who does want to ask me a question, I've always got my DMs open. I'm always happy to speak. But I also appreciate that you may not feel that you, can, you have a good enough question to ask, for example. Being able to ask those in person at a local, I think it will mm-hmm. be hugely important. And I think that there will be players that come up through the local scene that in one, two years' time, all of a sudden, they will blow you away with what they've learned. And it will come quicker than we would like to admit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would not be surprised. Um, speaking of advice, did Kazim uh,
2: advise you the whimsical for roles? <laughs> he did. And this, this, is <laughs> thing. this is why we need to... We've obviously... <laughs> <laughs> we've obviously had a conversation about you know what the reputation is and your standing amongst top players and I suppose that there is a balance can I swear on this podcast or not
1: yes light okay
2: light okay <laughs> so I really enjoy playing with a different variety of Pokemon, a lot of Pokemon that aren't necessarily meta. I know that lots of people also enjoy doing that, but there is a very fine line between something that is spicy and something that is shit. (laughs) And there have been times where I have been on the wrong side of that line.
0: Wilmer.
2: And I don't necessarily think Whimsicott is on the wrong side. Perhaps I didn't play it as well as I needed to. Uh, Perhaps... Kazim is a lot better with Whimsicott than anyone else could hope to be. And and so it was a mistake from from the outset. But on paper, I thought that a grass fairy type could cause problems for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amanda, you, you've spoken a lot about is it the driver or is it the car? And perhaps it was the driver in this occasion.
0: I'll so, say going into rules, I, I had the same idea with a lot of Altaria stuff. But, man... Glad I didn't,
1: know, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, this is referencing your not-so-stellar run at Worlds last year, the 2023 season, but, I mean, you're already qualified again for this season. How do you think you're going to fare? I mean, are you this much more confident in your skill level just even, like, half a year later?
2: There are a few things. I, I I don't want to give the impression that I'm making excuses, but what I'll do is I'll make a few excuses.
0: <laughs> already.
2: Firstly, we were flying out to Japan, all right? The time difference is ridiculous. And I made the huge error of arriving, I think, two days before the tournament started. So the night before... mistake, man. Yeah, huge mistake. (laughs) The night before, the first day of Worlds, I got three hours sleep. Mm. I then woke up and got to the venue for 8am, which was our call time. And I was then told, your first game is at 4pm. And I go... Well, hold on a minute. I could, have, I could have slept all day and then come later. But this was prior to getting an email in advance telling you when your call time is. Mm. And so then I was thinking to myself, do I go back to my hotel? Do I go back and sleep? But I'm with everyone now. I'm with all my friends. I'm trying to support. And I'm like, I can't now because some people are starting. I, I want to be present and I want to be here. I don't want to miss the world championships. And I start my first game at 4 p.m. And I can barely see my screen. And I go into my first game, and it just doesn't go the way I want it. But I remember thinking to myself, and this might have been my first or my second game, I remember thinking to myself, I know exactly what team my opponent's going to run. If they lead X, they're going to safe swap their Altaria. And I've got a Whimsicott in the back. And I remember thinking to myself, don't bring the Whimsicott out versus the Altaria, because they will also have their Swampert in the back. And the Swampert is more important for the Whimsicott to be aligned to. And I'm saying this in my head and they say swap Altaria and I bring in Whimsicott and immediately I go, what am I doing? And I'm then stuck with my Galarian Stunfisk in the back versus Swampert, even though I called their line. I called their line to perfection. I just my brain was not there. And then the other thing I learned and was a lesson going forwards that I've taken already into these regionals take a notepad, take a pen and paper. When you have these thoughts, just write them down if you need to write them. Because even if you don't read them, the fact that you've written them can help. It's that you know that mind-muscle connection. So that's been a huge thing that I've been doing and I've seen a few of my friends now also starting to do. And some of them say to me, "Freed, I see you writing, but what do I write? I've always and, wondered
1: that too. I'm like, what are people yeah, writing I don't down? know what to write,
0: man. I don't know what to write. No, I, I, I brought I, a notepad I, and a pen I, and I just write down the theme and I'm like... Well, I'm just too busy playing now. <laughs> I already picked my team within ten seconds.
2: There are there are lots of there are lots of different ways, and I've spoken to people in the in the different ways that they use their pen and paper. Some people will sketch out a matrix very very quickly yeah. to just give them a visual representation of how good one of their Pokemon might look against their opponent's team. Other people, and sometimes I do this, I will write down if he leads Gligar, he's unlikely to have X in the back because he would be hard ABA weak to something. (laughs) And so I can then safe swap Lantern, let's say, because he shouldn't have something in the back that immediately hard counters it. Now, it's really difficult with very diverse metas for that principle to to follow through, because there are some matches where you have to play ABA and you have to make that gamble. And I have very famously safe swapped an Alolan Sandslash into a Registeel and was met by a Medichamp. And everyone turns to me and goes, you idiot. Why would you safe a Sandslash into a Registeel which has a Medicham in the back? And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. I'm leaving Gligar. In my head, I thought if you lead Registeel, you shouldn't have Medicham in the back. But EJ played sensibly. He said, you know what? If, if you leave Gligar, I'll let my Registeel go down. And maybe Medicham will be free. And, and that worked. But I mean, maybe I was an idiot. But there was some logic to what I was trying to do. And I've actually set myself a couple of ground rules now. I'm not allowed to use Alolan Sand Sandslash. That's banned. I've banned myself from Thank using you.
1: It.
0: It's bad, it right?
2: <laughs> nobody has time for that. You can
1: you What do you cannot. mean nobody has time for that? That barely takes any time. <laughs> imagine imagine
2: paying all this money, flying out to this, you know, to this country across Europe. And you just switch in Alone Sandslash, and you're met by six counters, and then you're done. I don't have... That's not worth it for me. So Alone sand Sandslash, banned. Whiskash banned. Now, not because I've actually used it, not because I think it's bad, but because I think it's boring. And because I don't like the style of play that it invites into the game at the moment. I like the and way that, for good. me, has really put me off whiskash. Shadow whiskash. I'm a little bit more open to because shadows look cool, and, <laughs> and they hit that water, right? is, that's an important <laughs> factor, right? You have to take that seriously. Yeah. Um. Normal Whiscash doesn't as look soon cool. as it got buffed, as soon as it got buffed to a fifty
1: percent Skull debuff. Not i said cool not really that. Yeah. Normal Whiscash, derpy Shadow Whiscash, cool Cash Daddy. Exactly. What are some other Pokemon that look cool to you? What is that uh, make your roster for this reason alone? Like I. Uh, I think, it's, I
2: think it's interesting. And I, I've, I've said in a previous interview that one of my favourite times to team build is when there's a meta change. And that's because there will be a lot of players out there who are very, very good at battling. And I think, Martin, you and I have spoken about this. There are very, some players who are very, very good at battling, and there are other players who are very, very good at team building. And there are, of course, players that are good at both. And I'd like to think that I'm fairly good at both. I'm not the best batter in the world. I'm not the best team builder in the world. But because I can do both, I put myself in a fairly good position when it comes to new metas. And we've obviously seen that in in Dortmund, for example. And and I obviously built the team for Colin, which, because he's a better battler, he goes on and wins, and I'm very happy for him. And Utrecht's going to be a really, really exciting one if we do get this move update in advance of of the event, That will be a brand new meta and there will be a lot of people trying to team build for the very first time there are other players who will rely on watching an event to see what do other people use and when i approach my team building if i see a team that's been used before i can't use that team that wasn't my team i didn't build it and i'm perfectly happy to share teams that i have built and i'm perfectly happy for other people to use them but I will categorically not use a team that I have seen already. That's just not how I play. What if you and, already
1: built it yourself? Like, you're like, oh, I'm definitely playing this. I'm like, I've locked this in, in my mind. I've maybe even locked it in on the registration. And then you see someone play and win with it. Would you still so keep there it? So was,
2: there was actually an example of that, which was very close. When I entered Barcelona, the first event of this season, there was an event I think took place a week before, I can't remember if it was Pittsburgh, uh, an NA event took <laughs> place just before Barcelona and Pocket used a very, very similar team to the team that I had basically already locked in. And part of me was thinking, everyone's gonna think I've copied him, I'm gonna have to change team because I definitely didn't copy him. We had a couple of moveset differences that I think took it took it apart and I think maybe one Pokemon was different um, but yeah, I'm not sure what I'd do if I turned up and, and someone had the exact same team at me and claimed it as their own. That would be that would be tough for me. I, that, I'd find that stressful.
0: I, I have the same feeling, especially when I try to use off-meta Pokemon. It has to be different from everyone else. Uh, the only time I used the same team twice was UIC and Hardforce, just because it counted knocked out three times, and I hated knocked out times, so <laughs> I found it acceptable. But uh, yeah, I do have that same uh, that same mindset now. Uh, important question here. Uh, now that I am uh, your co-caster, basically your colleague, would you build a team for your teammate Colin, who you know already won two regionals, not really important, or me, your, you know, your partner in crime, your new partner in crime?
2: I think that you and Colin are very, very different players, and I think that the teams that I would build for each of you would be different anyway. Colin is a much safer player and prefers heavy non-RPS lines he really doesn't like it when we're in an RPS meta he wants to play safe he wants to play bulky he wants to play neutral and he's very very good at doing that because his energy management is superb his team reading he's very very skilled you are more creative you like to use Pokemon where you have an advantage because you know your matchup better versus them than they can possibly know versus you because who's practiced versus a chandelier, who's practice versus, a, you know, a Greninja Frost Lask, not many people. And so if I were building a team for you, it would be spicy, it would be creative, and it would maybe be a little bit shit. But if I were building a team for Colin, it would be a lot more neutral, a lot safer, and something that he was much more comfortable with, maybe from, from Go Battle League, or, or just from watching other streams and, and tournaments.
1: But that does bring a good question. Now that you've already opened the door, Martine, who do you think is the better Dutch battler be of the two? Or who do you think is now, the best Dutch battler in general? Because yeah, I know right, that Status Stan is also your teammate, so I mean you're going to be throwing at least multiple people under the bus here. Every,
0: and that's exactly the point of this podcast.
1: Yes, it is. It is. This, this, this is podcast. my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> so, so let help
2: help me out here because what I don't want to do is I don't want to to miss off any. If we were to say which top five are we considering, if we're including sure. Martine, Colin, Stan. Uh, Thomas, who who would you say is the fifth that I have to consider?
1: I would say this season, uh, probably Man, right?
2: Okay. Because so, I think
1: he's very close to qualify. I mean, there's obviously, I mean, I think Lorenzo last season was really good. June was also like mm-hmm. a good, but we're just focusing on this season specifically. So th- that's okay. the top five. Yeah,
2: I think yeah, I think, I think that's top. a fair top five. So um, this this isn't the answer to the question, but of those players, who has top cut a regional event already this season is it just colin and stan is that right <laughs>
0: no that would also be me
1: yeah martin, did he Leal? martin? Leal Leal.
2: Matthews, come on man in Lille. okay so three and thomas didn't In stuttgart he's stuttgart so okay and Snooman did as well so everyone's top cut yeah
0: everyone yeah
2: okay and then in terms of the locals martin i think you are fairly by far and away the most cp from locals in the Netherlands I,
0: yeah yeah I won 4 out
2: of 6 okay cool and colin most cp from excluding locals right mm-hmm. okay so on paper you you you'd start to say colin obviously has a huge you know argument given that he's the first two-time winner and he was one mistap away from being a three-time winner, mm. Martine, you could turn and say, "Well, hold on a minute. Just because you're not performing to the level that you did last year, which you were obviously incre- incredible world's performance and and top top cut man, so so to call him. Now you're just day one man." But um, <laughs> I think Martine's performance in the locals, you can't go that can't go unnoticed, right? So it's probably Colin, then Martine. And I don't know between Stan and Tho. I haven't seen enough of them um, in the locals. I don't. I don't see what's going on for me. Stan has top cut, uh, and so that's where I'm leaning towards. Tho obviously did very very well last year and was a very good player for years before that as well. Um, this season, I'm not so sure. I
0: do want to point out though that I believe Tho has not lost to Stan even once so far in locals.
1: No, he did well. He, he lost he, uh, in Antwerp. He lost originally, but he managed to get into the top cut, and he beat Stan in the top cut. There. Wait, yeah, and he.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, he did, yeah. Oh yeah, that was yeah. Stan was pretty upset with that. I remember very clearly.
2: It's tricky, isn't it? So, would you say, let's say, let's say that Casters were to battle, right? Let's say we were to do a best of three. If you win a best of three, are you better than that player? Because Amanda, I'm yeah. pretty sure you have had a pretty um, good best yes. of three win recently.
1: <laughs> the answer is undoubtedly yeah. yes.
0: That was not a best of three, by the way. So it
1: was a best <laughs> of five. <laughs> it was a best of five, and I won four of them.
2: <laughs> well, that decides it. That settles it. But no, I, th- I think when you're looking at when you're looking at real top quality, it has to be consistency, and it has yeah. to be performance across different formats and and whether that's locals and regionals and and perhaps in a month or two it'll be very very clear i personally think it you're pretty hard pressed to not say colin right now i think that's fair
0: i uh, can live with that question you know i never played colin in, uh, in the locals kind of unfortunate i have another evil question for you though like like this is not the end of it like you can give a pretty neutral answer there but that's that's not just gonna be it You are casting Utrecht with Amanda, with uh, Nighttime Clash, and with uh, Thomas. Who do you hope you get paired with?
2: Uh, Yeah, I suppose I'm not hugely familiar with exactly how it works, and if you're paired and that's you for the weekend. I think that I'm very lucky to be partnered um, collectively with the the three best casters in Europe, and I'm very proud (laughs) and privileged to to be with these guys. (laughs) <laughs> this wise
1: man, wise man.
0: <laughs> He's yeah. just trying to get out of it the whole time.
1: Unbelievable.
2: I, I honestly, I honestly don't mind. I, I'd be very, very happy with uh, each of those casters in in different ways. I think that there would be different relationships that you would form. I obviously think it would be very fun for Nighttime Clasher and I to be next to each other, and I think there is a lot of banter that we still have to share. And that would be very interesting. I think Amanda and I would make a great team. We've done interviews before. I think we'd bounce off each other very well. I think Amanda has a very similar sense of humor to me. And I think that that makes a, a massive difference. And then I think Thomas is a hugely skilled and knowledgeable player. And that opens up the door to, to conversations and discussions that um, you might not be able to get if you were casting with other less experienced or, or, or less top quality player casters, if that's fair to say. I
1: think That's more uh, than fair to say
0: just cannot get a controversial answer out of this. I game.
1: mean, he's a lawyer. What do you expect? He's a... <laughs> so Farid, even though you didn't say it, I, I know it. I can tell in our I exchange that you would obviously prefer the most to be t- uh, with me. <laughs> but we have a question on this podcast. And again, it's basically having you name people. So while we've been doing this, we're going to end our podcast with you with our signature question. Martin, take it away.
0: So, we have two different types of players. The crap Roller and the mid-champion. The crap Roller is someone who is not well-known, but someone who potentially could win worlds. Like, he's really good, just doesn't really have that name going for him just yet. And then the mid-champion, obviously, you know, is the person who wins everything. Everyone knows, could win worlds. Is a favorite. Who would you name to be your crap Roller and your mid-champion?
2: Just to check, what was the first word? The the prep roller. Crab roller.
1: Crab roller. Oh,
2: crab roller. Yeah,
1: crab. You know the little uh, yeah. crab. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Okay, okay, okay. So crab roller, someone that you wouldn't expect, but is really getting out there, and I think that I would give that title. That is a really <laughs> that is a really difficult question.
0: It may be someone from Tier Pizza. A little bit biased, but. <laughs> Oh, no, Honestly, there's no good
2: players in there, I yeah. Honestly, I would give that title to someone like Nighttime Clasher, and I I say that in all seriousness because you are looking at a player who is improving very very quickly. It's true. Not necessarily under the radar, right? He's obviously in the in the in the news and in the press, and everyone talks about him. But I think that the way that he played was very impressive. His ability to team read, his his line calling the progress that he's made in this short space of time, since the beginning of this season, if he carries on on that trajectory, he could catch a lot of people off guard. A lot of people won't be expecting you know, both team building and high level play to the extent that he that he showed at Liverpool. We'll see. For the Machamp. Are we keeping this within any certain EU NA parameters? Are we no. is it no, global? It can be
1: anyone.
2: Yep. I think it would be unfair to say anyone other than Dunebug. The dominance with which he wins the events that he plays is frightening. I agree. His, his ability to... When you go down into the loser's bracket, and I, you know, I've been down into the loser's bracket a fair number of times, it's daunting. You think to yourself, I've got 10 more matches I'd even have to play to get into the conversation. It doesn't phase him. He, the way that he takes things in his stride he comes at you from the loser's bracket and you already feel like you've lost. Yeah, and round one. He comes back fear. from round one of the loser's yeah, bracket. Yeah, that fear factor, when you sit on the other side... And I've never, play, I've never even played against him, but I can tell when you sit across from someone like that who is on a mission and you are nothing but, you know, something in the way of their drive, that's scary. That is really scary. So yeah. Dune, Dunebug, for me, is, is the favourite at the moment.
0: Yeah, so some people... Don't like the loser bracket and Doombuck's probably just, you know, cheering because he gets to play more battles. Yeah.
1: It's it's on purpose, yeah. He's just like, yeah, I wanna <laughs> I just wanna play more.
2: <laughs> he he's like, I, I need more numbers, for my Draco is profile. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Tomahawk UK, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Really looking forward to casting with you as well in Utre. Utrecht.
2: Utrecht.
1: Utrecht. Utrecht nailing it <laughs> yeah.
2: i'm very excited thank you both for having me i'm really looking forward to tract and i can't wait to sit alongside you amanda and hopefully get to cast you martin
0: i hope so too hopefully i do a little bit better than liverpool
1: yep and for everyone else again new episodes of tap tap cast coming out every thursday uh, we're gonna have a, a good one for the next one as well
0: yes thank you so much for it and we'll see you in the next episode